Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have an interview with Ian Ashcroft and Dave West, the creative team behind Kia Wordsmith, currently on Kickstarter. A young woman, Kia Wordsmith, frees a creature from a wizard's tower and begins to realize that the act of kindness has consequences. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my Constructing Comics co-host, Noah. Hey there. And Ian, uh, thanks so much for being on. Um, could you give us a quick uh, bio about yourself before we uh, get started? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so I started in comics probably in about 2014, and I built up a portfolio with a, a writer friend of mine who lives just around the corner from me. And then um, I took that portfolio to a comic con in England called Thought Bubble. And that's where I bumped into Dave, showed the portfolio. Um, Dave gave me a 10-page script for one of the comics he did as mm -hmm. almost like a tryout. Uh, I did that. And then on the back of that, he gave me sort of Keir Wordsmith. Um, issue one came out in 2018. And then I've spent the last couple of years doing that and a couple of other things and really pleased to get issue two out now. So... Yeah, that's, it's, I've only really been in comics for quite a short time, but I really love doing it. And, you know, I hope um, people respond well to what we've done with Kia. Yeah, very cool. And, and Dave, uh, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll take uh, a deep dive into the comics. Yes, sure. So a bit older than Ian. Um, I've been doing this game for making independent comics since about 98. Um, so I've uh, was part of the anthologies. It's quite tough making anth um, comics in the UK, kind of getting the talent in, getting our artists and writers to contribute. Uh, paying them is always a challenge. So we did that. We did like themed anthologies. We started with where we got people for giving that stuff for free, but we would collect it all together, print it in a really good package. So it's almost acting as a portfolio piece for them. But over the years, we've kind of moved on to doing ongoing series. We've got a number of those going on. Um, and as Ian said, it's. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a kind of a magic moment at one of these cons when you get someone like Ian's art look and you look at it thinking, I know just the story I want him to illustrate. I've, I've had the story for quite a while, um, but you need the right artist to kind of, you know, you're going to connect with it. Um, so, so I tried, as Ian said, I tried him out because it's, it's one thing looking at a portfolio of nice images, but can you tell a story? Yeah. And he certainly, he certainly can. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have to say that it's a magic moment also on social media where you find someone's art that like really resonates with you. And that sort of was with Ian's art whenever, I can't remember how I found Ian's artwork. Maybe Matt turned it on to me or something like that. Like it's phenomenal stuff. And then this book, you guys, your, your, your world that you created is really engaging and new. And uh, I'm just excited. I, I lapped up both issues before this interview. Like it's just, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Thanks so much, Noah. That's really kind. Yeah. Um, when we were doing the first issue, um, when we were doing the world building and stuff like that, Dave was sending me um, photos of different buildings from Glasgow and cities from around England as well. And I was putting, I'm, a, I'm originally from nearby Liverpool, so I was putting a bit of Liverpool's architecture in there as well. The liver buildings are actually on page one of issue one as well. So they're slightly changed, so they don't look exactly the same, but we were using real buildings to help start build up this mythical landscape as well. So it was, it was a really fun thing to do that. It was, um, and I was gonna ask about that actually, cause yeah. the, the, the world of the Kia wordsmith has a lot of uh, sort of like kit bashing in it. 
from different cultures. So you have the very Victorian era, old style architecture of the houses that you were talking about. But then there's also very, like a lot of Eastern influences as well. Almost like third world, uh, Middle Eastern, like sort of passage. Yeah. I quite like that sort of, like, well, that's what most cities are like, aren't they? They've yeah. got lots of different cultural influences and I really wanted to get that kind of idea because I thought it will make the world feel a lot more realistic and a lot mm. more lived in and believable because with fantasy, you're trying to build something out of imagination and about out of thin air, but you need to have those elements of realism in there to help sell the story as well and to make all those magical moments believable as well. So, yeah, yeah it was... It was good. And um, when I was designing Kia, I think I'd only had like one or two goes at it. And it just seemed to, Dave got back to me straight away and he said, oh, that's it. We're pretty much the first go of us. So we had the character straight away. So, Ian, I have a question for you, um, uh, an art question. You said that, uh, I think, was it 2014 was around the time that you made the decision that you were going to pursue comics? What was your art background uh, before that? Like, was it like fine arts and and illustration? Yeah, fine arts and illustration would be the main thing. As a kid growing up, comics um, weren't really in my world. My friends weren't into them. And, you know, they weren't really something that my family bought into. But and books and illustration were always there and I really loved looking at loads and loads of different types of illustration mainly the kind of representational kind of realistic kind of illustration and then I did a degree Uh, I actually am an art teacher now with my full-time job and then yeah so I always wanted to sort of go into book illustration and then funnily enough I can remember when my first daughter was born I was in a library and I just happened to look over and I'd just finished, I'd been reading Stephen King's Dark Tower and I looked over and um, Jay Lee's artwork from the Dark Tower was sitting on the shelf and I picked this book up and that was it then. I saw that and I thought, oh wow, this is an amazing medium. And then I started trying to school myself on other, other artists and other creators that I really liked. But yeah, that Jay Lee stuff was the stuff that really got me hooked in and at the start. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Wondering I, see, about, I was wondering I see a lot about of, I see a lot of Jay Lee in your art. Yeah. yeah. I think it was more obvious in the first issue. I like to think I've tried to move away a little bit from it because I want, I want my art to be my art. I don't mm-hmm. want it to just be a representation of someone else's. In your but, in the uh, page you did in the, uh, the Western Light, it's very strong in that. It's very, very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah it was. I was like, I was leaning heavily on it. And also, I wasn't as skilled with my colouring. I mean, recently, I, my wife bought me a, an iPad Pro and I got Procreate on it. And it's really helped my colouring go up a level. So with my old pencils, they were a bit more reliant on spot blacks and areas of shadow. Uh, I used to have to put a lot of time into all my pencil work to make sure that I could balance that out with the colouring because um, I knew my colouring wasn't quite at the standard of my pencil and now I feel like I have to do a little bit less with the pencils because I can make up for it when I get onto the colouring. So yeah, that was, that, that's that been a great thing to have that little bit of extra technology that allows you to bring your art on. I think people will see that, they'll see a slight difference between issue one and issue two. I saw, yeah, I noticed a slight difference, um, yeah, between them, but I like that you, you stayed consistent with your page compositions. So yeah. there's that, and I was going to actually, this, this will be a question for you that will lead into a question for Dave. Okay. With the, with the page compositions that you have, you have these like really nice symmetrical pages. 
And then you have a lot of splash pages in there as well. Um, was that a, like, uh, are you sort of, is that just sort of a, a product of your style? Like the, the symmetry? Or yeah. is that part of the script? Well, Dave's, Dave does write a, a great script, but he leaves a lot of interpretation open for me as well, which I, I love. And um, the splash pages, I think, comes from that book illustration background of, of feeling like you can win people over with, with one single image that's going to really stand out. And, you know, I put as, as so much effort and time into them because I know they're really going to have to like be something special to be worthy of that much of your comic book, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, I'd like to think I don't just put them in for the sake of it. That They always tell a major moment in the story. Quite often it's a bit unusual. We have, them, we have quite a few in the opening pages that seems to be a little bit of a pattern, which I think with splash pages are usually more to the end or at the end of the big fight or something like that. So I like the idea of mixing that around and playing with that. I also use like, a few circular panels in there yeah. as well, just to make it look more organic. And I, I really like that sort of um, flow that you can get with the round panels. And I don't know, I just try to make it every page stand on its own as, as, as something that people are really gonna love looking at, but also that fits in with the whole whole comic as, a, as, a, as a, something that you know you're gonna view. and you have to be mindful of what's gone before the page immediately before and the page immediately after so you don't get any jarring and, and inconsistency in the artwork and the imagery. So, yeah, I mean, I just like being experimental and Dave's script allows me to do that. I work on other stories as well where the scripts are very like precise and I love working like that as well. I love it when the writer's got a really clear vision of what they want. Um, and maybe we can come on to that a little bit later. But yeah, with Dave's script, I think that whole fantasy element, if it's too rigid and too like nine panel grid every page or something similar, it's not going to work. It's not going to be that enjoyable experience. So I want it to be like a, a, a like a journey through the book and flowing really nicely. Yeah, yeah and it adds to the sort of surreal, uh, like uh, the surreal tone of the book. And I was, that sort of leads into my, Question for Dave. Dave, what do your scripts look like for a book like this? Yeah, so they're kind of, my scripts vary, but our artists, really, each artist behaves differently and responds differently. So I tend to like to get the artist to let them stretch their, I don't want them to draw what I would draw, yeah, because I don't want to limit them by my imagination. So I tend to, people like Ian, I tend to just open it up. Um, I'll describe things very loosely and let them do their thing. I don't talk about panels or nine panel grid or, or anything like that. There are other artists that want that, they need that, they need that structure. So I've written scripts where, you know, five, five, even I think you've seen one, even I sent you recently, where I've drawn the page out with the panels in mm -hmm. Word and I've put the scripts on, you know, because they need that kind of direction. Um, but I feel, I feel that kind of limits them a bit to how I would do it and not how they would do it. Um, I probably work with about four. <laughs> yeah, or Tom King or someone like that they'll, they'll get really pissed off um, yeah but there, no. there, is one, there is one page in issue two where I thought right 
because I've got all these um, splash pages, I wanted to make sure that there are some that have got a lot of panels in. I think there is yeah. one that actually does have nine, but it doesn't look like a grid, but it has got nine panels on it, but that comes towards the end, yeah. But like I said, I just like playing around with that layout and making sure that it's, it's a little bit different to what people might be expecting. Yeah, it's such a fresh book, and I, I think I complimented this already, but like you said, there's something important in picking up a book and, you know, making it worth your money by showing that this is something different, you know. So I, I really like that approach. Thank you. So sort of to like the teamwork aspect of it, uh, do you guys trade notes as far as like the layouts and the pencils and the, and the, and the different stages of the, the art production? I think I think no. So I tend to do it loosely here, yeah, but it's not, not kind of a weekly meeting or anything. Um, Ian will sometimes send me some pencils and say, "This is what I'm doing," or "This is a look of a certain character." Does that kind of reflect what you're thinking? So in issue three, we've been discussing recently, and um, we've had a dialogue around the look of the characters and where they be positioned. You know, for the first kind of scenes, because I've kept, I'm learning how to kind of work with Ian better. Mm -hmm. so the, the third script is even looser, so it gives him more room to kind of flex. And it's, it's more about these situations and the dialogue needs to happen. These story points need to come across. And there's about three of them, which, you know, collectively are probably about two thirds of the book. And it gives him room to then stretch his muscles, his, his artistic muscles and do other stuff, uh, which I'll then, is that, I guess people call it the Marvel way, don't they? I think, where you, you write a script, they go off and do some stuff, they bring it back and then you write the story on top of that. And that's very much the way I work with Ian and, and pretty much the other artists as well, to be fair. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And that, that leads into my question for you, because we talked a little bit about Ian being inspired by Jay Lee, you know, with his sort of approach to fantasy comics. What are your big influences, Dave, in uh, Yeah, in comics, I guess it's, it's people like Bill Tinkovitz. It's the kind of the usual suspects, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I love that kind of, um, I, I mean, Electro Assassin, that weird art. I mean, when I saw that on the shop, I'd almost given up with comics. I, I, I read comics when I was very young, when it was not fashionable, you know, and I played Dungeons and Dragons when it was very, we kept it very quiet from everybody. Um, <laughs> now it's kind of cool, you know, so <laughs> about 40 years ahead of my time, I think. Um, but I kind of, I was reading all the X titles and I kind of got bored of them. I kept going to the comic shop and buying all the X titles. And by then there were about 10 different titles. And I kind of, I was almost giving up reading them. And I saw on the shelf, um, I think it was Marvel's, there was a cover for Marvel Comics Presents with a, the, um, the Barry Windsor Smith um, Wolverine Weapon X. Yeah. And then there was, there was Bill Sinkovitz's Electro Assassin Collective. And I looked at those and thought, what the hell are they? And I picked them up and Bill, Bill Sinkovitz's, I thought, my God, this is, and I just, I put the X-Men books back, the comics, all back <laughs> on the shelves and just took these, these three books out. And it changed everything. I just thought, this is, this is so different and it's so good. You know, it was really strong. I just kept reading them and reading them. Um, I guess when I'm writing the comics, I guess I'm more influenced by the science fiction and fantasy books I've read than the comics, to be fair. Yeah. What would some of those books be? Sorry? What would some of those uh, books those books be? Uh, so recently, it's things like Jaila Crombie, um, the, the Malazan books by um, Stephen Donaldson, not Stephen Donaldson, what his name? Um, uh, Stephen Erickson. Stephen Erickson's Malazan books. Okay. If you've not read those, they're just absolutely amazing. Um, so the, those are the fancy books. And the sci-fi, it's people like this, Stephen Baxter, probably, and, and the old Isaac Asimovs and people like that. Very cool. You have to come back on this podcast and explain Electra Assassin to me and Matt, because that was one of our most recent episodes was breaking down that book. 
yeah. and we had another artist on and all of us were just loving the artwork but then just getting super frustrated talking about the script and uh so you, you need to share your insight at some point with us about <laughs> i'll try i'll try <laughs> yeah yeah so let's uh let's turn our attention um back to to kia uh so we have a kickstarter here for for issue two um what and i know you two said that you were you guys are already trading notes on uh issue three what's sort of the the long form uh game plan for for kia that's an interesting one really so we've discussed this haven't we in quite quite a few times as to how many issues i mean i i tend to i have an end game in mind yeah mm -hmm. there's a point so I'll share with you and everybody that listens to this, I guess, that there's a central character in quite a few of my comics called Jigsaw Girl. And Jigsaw Girl, this is her origin. Mm -hmm. So people won't really put it together until later on, but you see her appear in the comic. Um, some of the dream sequences, there's this lady with, with patterns on her face. Yeah. Um, so that's a Jigsaw Girl that appears in Steams as a robot. She appears also in Western War. So, but this is her origin in a different dimension, you know, so she's going to slip through. So I know, I know the end point. And it's how much can we get through to get to that endpoint? So I don't want to rush it. So we're kind of growing and growing it. And there'll come a point where we'll say, look, okay, now it's ready for us to, to move on. And that's mm -hmm. when she'll move on to a different dimension. So it's that kind of, so it gives me the chance to, Western one seems as robots set very much in, in a kind of a twisted reality of, of this reality. It's very close to what we live with and the history. Um, so Brunel and Stevenson, rather than building railroads, they build robots. That's the kind of the big twist. But everything else is this historic events that you would recognise in, in British history, okay, uh, and American history, and um, and the uh, yeah, and the this this is her kind of origin, a different dimension. So I can do things magical with her, but she has this element that are in the other stories that have never been explained. So it's kind of. They call it the Westiverse. It's all kind of going to link together. <laughs> I was going to ask what it was called, what your expanded universe was. So Ian, yeah, do they, you put... I'm sorry. You go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. My, my some artist friends who've gotten onto it call it the Westiverse. Westiverse. Very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I think it should be called Westworld. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I might get sued for that That's one. That's good. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, Ian, do you put in uh, Easter eggs on Dave's behest to those other worlds, or do you just sort of like you know put in your own Easter eggs to the other worlds that to connect it at times? There, there are a few. There, there are some in there. Yeah, um, Dave set up Accent UK, which is um, a publisher that Dave's got with a friend called Colin Matheson, and I've there's a there's a little bit of artwork in there on one of the pub signs and in, in one of the street scenes that's linked to that and. Okay. Yeah, and I so he did spot that, yeah, and he spotted that. Yeah, he did, and um, yeah, I, I like doing stuff like that. I think Easter eggs are a good idea, and and um, it's nice because when I look at Dave's other books, I can see how other artists have drawn the Jigsaw Girl, and they're all really different. They've all got quite some. In some comics, she looks very horrific. In mine, she's quite beautiful and stunning. It's just. She, she's different in each one, and each artist has got their own interpretation. But I think in the while she's in Stevenson's robot, she's now in this as well, and I'm sure she's <laughs> cropped up in other places as well. But she, she's a she's a good character, and um, she deserves sort of like a story that builds up around her, and that's starting with keywords. And I guess uh, did you draw her in when you did your Western noir story, or did you? Have, is this your first time drawing her? So this is the first time no. as a young yeah. girl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in 
in Western Noir, that's a story centered around a character called Josiah Black. Is that right, Dave? Yes, yeah. Get the name. yeah, and uh, so um, the script that Dave gave me was actually his origin stories as well, wasn't it? It was like a Gary yeah, wrote it. It was um, like how he sort of went from just being a normal cattle hand to starting his journey towards this sort of like demon hunter in the West. Dang, I need man, I'm I'm totally on board with this now. Like I already was. Like, <laughs> Ian's artwork, but if now I'm the, like, if this sounds so awesome. Pop onto Smack Jeeves, you can, you can read yeah. a lot more on Smack Jeeves. Smack Jeeves, I'm yeah. definitely doing that after this. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. Uh, so, uh, we, we talked a little bit about uh, each individual's origin, but there was the point where, where Ian uh, presented you with the portfolio, and you kind of made yeah. the connection in your mind that, like, this might be the, the guy. Um, what uh, what was the first thing that you kind of saw in that portfolio that you knew that he was the guy for for the Kia story? So, I th so I think for me it was kind of there were there were lots of he can draw a human form and the movement, so he could actually do the so it was realistic, so I could believe these characters in a world that's going to be fantasy. And he had some fantasy kind of the illustrations as well that twisted that. But I could see that you can actually believe in the characters being real humans and in the world around them is just a, a weird fancy world. So you kind of connected already. Um, and I like that. Also, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Jay Lee as well. Uh, they, I picked him up on this Submariner run he did way, way, way back. Mm -hmm. uh, and I recognize this, you know, the Jay Lee kind of influence. I thought, wow, this is, this is cool. And with the work he's done on, I've only looked at the covers of the art I must confess. Um, but following that line, I could just see him doing that kind of style in this world. And it would work perfectly, and, and it's kind of what he's doing. Uh, and as somebody who gets per, uh, portfolios presented to them, um, yeah. and I don't know if this is the case for for Ian, but were, were there sequential pages in there? Because I know yes. a lot of times you'll see you'll see somebody's portfolio, and it'll be pinups or, or covers. So he yeah. actually presented you with with sequential pages as well. Well, in interesting. I felt a bit guilty really because he showed me some pages that he was. I think the other the writer. What's the writer's name, Ian? Oh, right. Um, <clears throat> the other writer's name is a good friend of mine. He's called Colin Clayton. And Colin had actually worked for 2000 AD. He'd, and it just happened. He lives around the corner from me. And I actually work with his wife in, in my job. And um, he had created a character called Cinnamon in 2000 AD with art by um, Lawrence Campbell. Um, and he just had a little bit of bad luck, I guess. I mean, he'd, he'd started to build up a professional career and then it, it just slipped away a little bit. And we were looking really to try and get a book published. So the portfolio was actually about 24 pages of, of a story that is no, no one's ever going to see it, unfortunately. And it yeah. didn't really go anywhere. But um, yeah, there was, it was it was pretty much all sequentials, wasn't it? Dave? it, was, it was yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that, make, that makes a difference, and that's quite pleasing as a, you know, for us, for, for us to be able to assess. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, I, I can probably do a nice pin-up of something, you know, with my talent, you know, <laughs> but to tell a story is a whole different level, and he had that in spades, you know, and I could, I just automatically, I kind of visualised um, almost what the comics would be like with him, like, drawing them, because I could just visualise it from the pages I saw. Mm -hmm. I think when the first drawing of the came through, I kind of had in my head the, uh, it was the Leon film, but the the young Matilda isn't it in Leon, and I almost yeah. had her in my head as a character. And when he threw that, I thought, "Blimey, <laughs> that's almost read my mind." You know, uh, so it, it really connected really quickly. Yeah, awesome. And uh, 
Ian, did, was was your portfolio like all pencils, or did you color your art on that in that portfolio? No, it was all pencils. Um, the way I work is I'll do really tight pencils, so they'll be like, uh, you know, I try and make sure that each page is a complete page, so there's not like individual panels dotted around. It's all just on one page of um, Bristol board, um, and then they'll be that tight that when I can put them into the into the computer and I can just change the, um, if you like, I don't know, the, the brilliance of the blacks, if you like, so they become like inked and then I don't have to do that inking process as, as, right. as much. I do a bit of digital inking, um, just where the pencils maybe are a bit too light, but most of it, it's just really, really um, quite time consuming with the pencils. And then, like I said, once it's into Procreate, the first one was done in Photoshop, the second one's done in Procreate. Uh, it's, it's, it's really brilliant. And just using it on my iPad, just drawing it straight on the tablet, absolutely love it, it's great. That's great. What's the, uh, I asked this of a lot of people who work on Photoshop and Procreate, what's the most useful tool on there for you? Uh, well, on Procreate, I suppose, I just, I just try and keep things nice and simple for myself. Because I think if I if I start, I, I purposely don't really explore it too much. So it's you know usually the round brush, the flat brush, setting up my own palettes, keeping my palettes consistent so the colours aren't changing all the time. And then the smudge tool is a really handy tool. Um, I try and avoid making it look overly rendered. I like the odd little bit of mark making in there that you can still see, so it doesn't look like that too computer generated i want yeah. people to feel like it's still hand drawn um, and i rely a lot on the sort of painting techniques that i was learning when i was going through my own education and i think a lot of what you do with painting you can apply to with traditional painting you could apply that to digital painting you know the same sort of understanding how different colors work together um, understanding where your lights and your darks are going to need to be and where your light sources are going to have to be to make it look like it's a, a solid 3D form. You know, all those things you, you can bring into the digital, sort of like the digital media that you've got now, and you can really push it even further, I think, because they're so good. They're so, they, they allow you to do so many different things. And every now and again, I'll put a little bit of a different layer with a color burn on or something like that just to give it an extra bit but yeah it's usually pretty much layers are set up as darken i keep the pencils as the first layer and then i just work over the top and then i try and do the whole thing within about four or five layers i don't try and have loads and loads of different layers all all opened up because to me i just get lost and a bit confused so just keeping it nice and simple seems to work for me pretty well that's awesome. I'm always, I, I love hearing everyone's different approaches. And uh, I was, there was a moment where I was reading issue two and I zoomed in on some of your inks and I was assuming it was brushwork because it looks like it was brush. And I zoomed in and I was like, oh my gosh, no, they're pencils. Cause like, I just sort of like, you could see like the feathering almost. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that's pencil. And I was like, that's awesome. So that, yeah, I really like that approach because there was definitely like that time in the nineties where they were trying to like get rid of inkers altogether. You have artists yeah. like Michael Turner and Joe Maduera and it comes off really flat. And, yeah. um, but like this book, it, I really like how rich the, the blacks are. On, yeah. On artwork. I mean, Jay Lee's a big influence, but I've got so many influences inside comics now and beyond that as well. But 
you know, you, you're just always looking and like I'm on Instagram and I'm constantly looking at different artists and what they do. And there's loads of amazing indie artists out there, both in America and back in England. And, you know, you just get inspired all the time. And, and it's, it's, it's so much easier now, I think, because you've got all this reference material at the tip of your fingers at any time. Although I would say with Kia, apart from some of the buildings, I do really try to avoid using any reference at all. I try to just get what's in my imagination down. Uh, I think if you go too heavily and reliant on always using photo references, your work can become a little bit stiff and a little bit... Yeah. You're, it, it's dictated by the pictures you find rather than what you want to do mm -hmm. if you're using a photo reference. So, yeah, I, do, I, I can't... To be honest, I can't think of a single figure I've drawn from reference. Everything's just sort of drawn from imagination. Yeah, I remember uh, Dave Gibbons, I sat in on like a webinar that he did last year and he talked, <laughs> he said the exact same thing that you need to, if you're gonna do a reference image, you need to thumbnail it out first. And it's important then to keep it, keep the lines feeling like they're flowing naturally and not, you know, dictated like you said by the photograph. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I post up on Instagram, I will occasionally use a photograph to reference that. And, and it's good to have that kind of background work happening because then when you come to imagining your characters, you've drawn and practiced and practiced. So you know what the light's going to fall like on that face. You know what the proportions are going to look like. It all really helps. So I do a lot of drawing. Draw pretty much every day if I can. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Kia is currently kickstarting right now. At the time of this recording, there's about uh, a little bit over two weeks to, to go on this one, right? Yeah. Um, so do you guys have thoughts? I know that the, the story could expand and, and Dave said he knows the ending point, but are you guys thinking about like, uh, like, a, like a schedule, maybe trying to like kickstart an issue uh, every year or so, or do you just sort of play it by ear? That's the target. The target is to one a year. One a year, okay. Yeah, get into that. But yeah, potentially, most of our books, if you follow the con circuit, you tend to do a con in each city a year, one a year. Okay. If you get a new book out of each, you know, each con you go to, that they see four new books, an image of each thing, or three or four. But you get two out a year, they, they don't need to see to do it, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's the way it kind of works. We, we drift around that, so sometimes we're more successful than others, and things happen in our lives because this is kind of a not a hobby but it is almost a hobby um so things happen that we then delay things and we are very much you know as a like a saxon uk as a publisher we we try to kind of just just go with the flow you know the artists are not getting paid a huge amount of money we do pay them um so we are very flexible in, and we just accept things that get delayed or whatever it's just life yeah yeah and i was going to ask about that you, you brought up the conventions doing uh you know in england you know, you guys are sort of, you're close to uh, like France and Italy and those yeah. countries, I understand it's huge, comics are huge there, like a huge part of the artwork. Does that bleed over into England, like where it's like <laughs> a huge thing or is it still sort of like, because in the US, it's like 50-50. You know, you either love comics or people think you're a dork for liking comics, you know, still. So, like, so in Britain, the comics are kind of, there's some kiddies comics called Dandy and Dina, which are very children-based comics, you know, aimed at children. Um, and then it goes to Spider-Man. And there's 2000 AD crept in a few years ago. And that still struggles to get the numbers that, that, that Marvel does, DC. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, I, I get quite quizzed at work, what, what are you doing this weekend? So I'm doing a comic convention. They go, all oh, right, okay. 
And I say, yeah, yeah, I do my own comics. I go, you make your own comics? And I can see them either picturing Beano or Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, yeah, yeah. And I say, look, I'll tell you what, I'll just bring some in, yeah? I'm not going to try and explain it to you because you've got no idea. <laughs> and to, to a man and a woman, they said, God, it's no comics like this. What, you know, this is, what is this? What's it, that's a comic book. So they, they just don't understand it in the, in the UK. So we have done cons in America. We've done cons in uh, Denmark quite a lot. Um, we've done some in uh, Finland, um, a, few, a few other places. So we do, we do try and do one con a year abroad. So it's almost like a bit of a holiday because it will never pay for itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we and it's and it's great to get stuff out there and see the other creators and kind of mix. We did Toronto last year or the year before last year, I think it was. Um, yeah, last year. Um, before that, we did we did uh, Helsinki, I think, in Finland. We did Chicago, C2E2. Nice. So we kind of we do stuff. Um, but unfortunately, because we do that, we can't build up a, a customer base because we're just dotting around. We appear now and then, you know. Um, so it's hard, and because it's difficult to get into Diamond, you know, it's it, then we can't follow up with people buying the comics through the shops. It's it's just tough. Uh, yeah, and uh, how? Excuse me. So then, like in in your both where you guys live, Ian, you said do you still live close to Liverpool? No, I've actually moved to the other side of the country now. So I live in a place called Grimsby, which Grimsby. is a very small town. Uh, yeah, the name says it all, really. But. Um, uh, <laughs> It's, um, to be honest, I don't get to that many cons, if I'm really honest. I've been to okay. the one, in, the big one in the north of England is called Thought Bubble, which is where me and Dave met. And that used to be in Leeds. And then now it's moved to a place called Harrogate. And it's, it's a really good con. It's, it's very much comics driven. Um, you know, like a lot of these cons, you've got your, your toys and, and your collectibles and stuff. And that's all great. But this one is very much all about your comics. So I try and go to that one. And then I've, I've done one in Nottingham, um, but really that's about it. I've, I've not really got immersed in that whole comic convention culture yet, but I know there is a really thriving small press indie scene in England. There's a lot of creators that are trying to get their work out there and pushing, pushing barriers all the time. And I think that's where the fan base for that is growing all the time, I think. But yeah, I mean... The idea that people in America might be picking up Kia or something like that, just it's just amazing. You know, when you're looking at the Kickstarter campaigns and you're seeing where all these people are buying the comic from, it's just a really great feeling to know that it's not just exclusive to England and Scotland yeah. and Ireland and places like that. It's broadening out. So, you know, that's just, it's just great, really. Great. So... And, oh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, so... We've been talking to a lot of creators in the last couple of months, and I think this ties into to our con discussion. Um, what are you guys thinking about when we'll sort of get back uh, to 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 a con schedule, um, and and how do you think things might be different? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we talk about this quite a lot, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, so we don't think there'll be a con this year. So, so you know, Ian, Ian mentioned the, uh, the Thought Bubble, which is now in Harrogate, but the venue for the Thought Bubble in Harrogate is now a hospital. They've taken it over and made it into a, one of these, you know, emergency hospitals. They call it Nightingale um, after Florence Nightingale, but they kind of, that's going to take months to take down. And they're not going to take it down until they know there's not going to be a second spike of this coronavirus. So it's not this year. You know, I can't see it this year. Um, I don't think there'll be. I went to a con in, uh, I think it was February. And, that, and that's probably the first and last con of the year, as far as we think it's going to happen. Um, so, so we're very much we're trying to keep ourselves motivated, but we're building up a little pile of things to get printed. But we can't print them all because, A, we need money coming in. Also, I can't store them all. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so we're kind of um, we're. Ed- I think I, th- I think spring next year will be when it starts to happen again. I don't know whether people because it's not just about opening the venue; it's about people being comfortable enough to actually go to the venue. Mm-hmm. If they open it up and charge us money to have a say, we pay for the, you know the traveling, we pay for the hotel or whatever accommodation, and nobody turns up to buy anything, then it's just a massive hit and quite quite dispiriting. So I think sometime spring next year, people will be comfortable. They'll be likely to go out and. A mix with lots of people, you know, because even doing that now is, is something that we shy away from because the COVID's out there, you know. Yeah, it's tough. Tough, yeah. And um, but when it starts, I'm guessing everybody's going to be so happy to see each other. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Is just when it when it happens, we're just going to yeah. be super excited because I know I'm going through withdrawals right now from our convention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the tables will be with the comics on. All the all the dealers will be in the pub. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Just catching up, you know, because it's, it's a social scene. And Ian says, right, we do we do mix quite a lot. We support each other. You know, the the, the independent crowd. You know, there are there are a few cliques and little groups, but largely we all support each other. It's a nice environment. Um, so yeah, we're missing all of that definitely. So uh, Ian. Um, I, I know you're pretty prolific on on Instagram, uh, you know, doing doing art there, and you're you're doing the 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 Kia stuff. Do you? Is there any other sort of? I know as a you know, Dave and I are writers. We can we can do multiple projects at one time, but you know, the you, you artists have to to slave away at the table or the the tablet for for long hours. So is that pretty much Kia is pretty much your your main uh, thing that you're working on these days? Uh, it's, it's a project that, um, I put a lot of time and effort into, and I was a bit disappointed with myself that we didn't actually get this book out last year, but the reason we didn't was because I got an opportunity to work with Pat Mills. Have you heard of Pat Mills? He's the creator of 2000 AD, did things like martial law, um, slain, Charlie's War, those kind of books. Um, okay. He's very, he's very well known in England, and I think particularly as well in France as well. Um, so I was delighted to get work with him, and he's bringing out an anthology called Space Warp, and that I think is coming out at the end of this month. So there's about six, I think there was six artists working on the book. Um, I'm one of them. I've got a story in it called Hellbreaker. Um, it's a really exciting project. That, you know. I'd, it's great that someone like Pat Mills has allowed, has opened up his scripts and opened up opportunities for artists to come on board. And, you know, he's not going back to big names that he's worked with in the past, like Kevin O'Neill and Simon Bisley and all these amazing artists. He's, he's gone out there, he said, what indie artists are out there that, that can do it, that can maybe raise up these scripts. And uh, I was lucky enough to get involved in that. So. I've got, I think it's an eight, maybe eight, eight pages and then two sort of like illustration pages in that book. And I'm really, really excited. It's an exciting time for me. I've got Kia this month and then at the end of this month, I've got this um, Space Warp anthology. And I think if, if anyone is interested, he's got um, a website called millsverse.com that you can have a look at, at, at all the processes of it building up. And I think there's going to be a Space War exclusive sort of like um, website that launches later this month as well, where you can go on there and have a look at some of the artwork and some of the ideas behind it. But yeah, it's a really exciting project. So they're the two 
Sorry. Oh no, no, I was gonna, you go ahead and finish. I was gonna ask where we could okay. where we can find it. Like, I mean, where we could buy the book itself. Yeah. Yeah. So um I'm I think what he's gonna do is he's because of COVID, and I mean me and Dave talked about the same thing, and it's a strange time to bring out a kickstart with the world as it is right now. You don't know how people are gonna be able to react to it. Uh, you know, we know that people um, maybe haven't got the money or the exposable cash that they usually would. So we were taking a chance doing the Kickstarter and we feel very grateful to everyone who's backed that. But with um, Space Warp, I think that's going to come out digitally initially. So you can digitally download it and then eventually I think he'll be bringing out the actual physical copy, the paper copy. But it looks like it's going to, there's some amazing artists on there. It looks like it's going to be a really, a really great book. So yeah, just to get to the point, the two projects I'm working on exclusively at the moment, the keyword Smith and Space War, and that, that will be it now, I think, for the, for the foreseeable future, because I just can't take on any more, really. But uh, yeah, it, the, both of them are a delight, and it's amazing how different they are. So Pat's scripts are very definite, and he'll come back with revisions and and he's used to being an editor working in big publishing houses and companies and, and, it, and it's been a massive education. And I also like to think that some of what he's taught me has helped improve the artwork in Kira as well. So both projects have benefited. But then on the flip side of that, it's lovely having Dave's looser script because it sort of acts as a nice counterpoint as well where I can be a bit more free with what I put down on the page. So. They're just two projects that sit really well together and it just make that little moment when I sit down at the drawing table and do some artwork a real joy and a real pleasure because both fantastic writers to, to work on them. I, I love both, both uh, projects, they're both great. That's great, yeah. It's gotta be nice to have the two, two projects and to have sort of the balance of both you know, having something more strict and then something more loose as an artist. Yeah. And then to really. do great fan art like you do as well, which is awesome stuff. <laughs> I love your Judge Anderson um, artwork and uh, yeah, stuff's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Their character's straight out of 2000 AD. Yeah. Like, uh, and um, yeah, those, those sketches are part of the Kickstarter, really. They're for people who want to back. So you can, you can back it so you get I think you get both books and you can either choose to get one of the sketchbooks and one of those sketches or just the books and the sketch. But yeah, happy to draw whatever character anyone wants. But uh, yeah, so they're, they're really fun to do because they're just a little bit different. And I've tried to keep it so that they're all like either red. Um, so they're all sort of pencil drawings with only red and white on them. They're the only colors on them and they're on like a toned paper. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done Roland from Dark Tower? <laughs> I I actually I did I didn't draw him like Jay Lee I actually did it as a sketch for one for the first Kickstarter yeah um, but yeah he'd be great today he would be good today yeah no take a guess on what I what I got from the first Kickstarter oh that's right yeah <laughs> can you can you guess what I got did you Is get that... did you get Roland no I got I got I'm surprised you didn't get this I got I, I got I got see it's a uh... Oh no, I don't. I don't. It's it's it's. I don't have it. But you you did a Psylocke for me. Oh, oh yeah, yes. duh. yeah. Oh, I know that, that one. Yeah, I can oh yeah, that. I'm like yeah, I'm like yeah, okay. Yeah, I should have guessed that. I know you better than that, man. I'm sorry. Awesome. I'm, I'm I'm losing it. 
So yeah. Dave, you have your you you have your sort of uh universe that you that you write in that allows you to do different uh types of stories, but is there any story that you haven't tackled yet that you would you did you'd like to tackle or or a genre that you'd like to to try? I guess I guess my my attempt at superhero is the uh, is my blessed curse range. I've got about four comics. It's about if you have an ability there's always a downside. Mm-hmm. The first one was a man a man that could stop time. But in stopping it for everybody else, he actually continued to age. So he couldn't use it an awful lot, otherwise he'd age quicker than his friends. So it's okay. that kind of a dilemma. And it's all about sacrifice. So I kind of I kind of enjoy those. So that's my kind of fallback position is to kind of write one of those. And I just write it as a almost as a prose book. And then I wait for an artist to come along through whatever, like Ian did, I guess, and just say, Do you fancy drawing this? If I if I think they can do it. And it's uh so that, that's my kind of fallback position. So I kind of write those. I've always got one of those in preparation. Um, but in terms of genre, I mean, I mean, this this kind of D and D one, this this Kier is the one that I always wanted to do. To okay. fall back on the whole fantasy, you know, the kind of the thief character is Kier, or there's a master thief that she responds to as trains her. In issue three, you'll meet a bigger band of characters that's kind of help her, and it's my kind of homage to that, really. So that's one I've I've always wanted to do, but never until now have the kind of artist that will help me do it. Very cool. Yeah, I like uh, that, that concept of that, that superhero is, is really cool. And I think a lot of times uh, what makes a great superhero is that they do have a weakness that goes along with, with the yes. power. And I find, I find Marvel and DC, they're too inconsistent. They, sometimes it's a big thing and other times they ignore it. You know, mm-hmm. just don't follow the same rules. So Hulk smashing something, you just cave it in, you know, and other times they bounce off him. You know, it's a strange mix. Um, so yeah, no, I enjoy doing those. Awesome. So I think uh, I think we covered a lot of stuff, and I think we're gonna we're gonna bring the the, the interview to a close. But uh, Dave, as the writer, why don't you do like a, a, a sales pitch for for Kia as we as we close up? Okay, <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> so so basically, it's about a young girl who's uh, bored of her life. So her the city she lives in is at war. Um, you'll find out more about the war in later issues. Um, but she's just trying to rebel a little bit to do something exciting. She can't believe that she's expected to her own life as normal when all this is going on around her in the world. Um, so she follows her feet and she ends up stealing from a wizard. Not in a malicious way, but in a way that she kind of gets carried away with. Um, but as all of these things transpire, the wizard set her up, wanting to steal this thing. And it's that, and that's that, there's the consequence of that act that they follow her through a number of issues. Uh, and she has to live with the repercussions of what she's done. It's a very much um, set in a kind of fantasy world, but there will be kind of elements of science in there as well, so there will be a mixture. And you haven't seen that much yet at the moment because it's been pretty much fantasy stuff, but there will be sort of elements of science creeping in. Um, and there'll be a conflict between the kind of elite scientist and the magician, so that that's going to happen as well. So there's all sorts of levels in this thing, and it's and the danger is I go off too deep, and it, you know it's a bigger story, so I need sure. to keep it kind of flowing and, and towards the direction of her life and not let it progress too much um so yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell a big nutshell <laughs> very cool and as you as you gave us the sales pitch um and as we're closing up could you let folks know where they could find you online yeah so i've got a blog called uh, strangestoftimes.blogspot.com strangestoftimes.blogspot.com i couldn't get strange times because it's already gone <laughs> <laughs> um and then the kickstarter obviously yeah and smack thieves if you want to read the western noir which is um it's, it's kind of one of the people, one of our customers called it They Live Meets Deadwood. Oh, wow. Uh, so if, oh, you'd like like to, if you'd like to read that, then you just go to Smack Jeeves and search for Western Noir. We've got about 61 pages. We put a page up every Friday. 
um, and that's that's uh, that's going to be collected on Kickstarter soon. So. Very cool. And uh, Ian, I know that uh, you, like I said, you're very prolific on uh, Instagram. Um, do you have uh, any other uh, social media presence or as an artist, do you like to stick with uh, IG for posting art? It is just Instagram. Yeah, I decided to put all my eggs in one basket and just kept it with the one thing because I just thought if I can make that one thing a really good you know, place to put my art and consist and just keep it about art, not get involved in everything else that, you know, you might get drawn into on Twitter and everything else. <laughs> um, I like that idea. So just, just Instagram. I haven't even got a website or anything like that. So yeah, if you want to find me, I'm at ian.ashcroft.art on Instagram. And you can obviously get the link to the Kia Kickstarter through my Instagram bio if you want to. And, um, or I'll send it through a, a direct message to anyone who if they just get in touch. And um, as I said, you've also got Hellbreaker coming out through Pat Mills at millsverse.com. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we're going to have links to all the social media yeah. and definitely have a link to, to the Kickstarter uh, in our show notes. Thank you. That's really kind. And uh, that, that um, just to touch on what Dave was saying, that West Tail, uh, Western Noir that Dave does, he does it with an artist called Gary Crutchley and it's coloured by another artist called Matt Soft. And it's, it's amazing. And uh, Dave, can you see that for free? Yeah, on Smack Dreams. Yeah. It's, it's all for free, so you can just go in and have a look at that. It's, it's really worth uh, a look. Very cool. Uh, Noah, do you, have, uh, do you have any final thoughts, any final questions uh, before I bring it to a close? Yeah, but they're all ones I'd want to have like deep conversations about. So I'll just save them for the next time we get to have you guys on. Which yeah, definitely. Hold on to those yeah. for uh, Kia, Kia number three launch. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> ask yeah. them. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, yeah, well thanks, great. guys. Um, Thank so, you. Um, as we close up here, if anybody could give us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is ConstructingComicsPod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructing Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, be safe and go out there and uh, make some comics.